time, folks! Hello, fish keepers, and welcome to our fish keeping show right here on American Variety Network. Welcome to Aquarium Talk. I'm your host, fish keeper Alex Cardinelli. Now, Aquarium Talk, as you know, with our saltwater series, is going to be a freshwater and saltwater fish keeping show that will be focusing on the beginning aspect of the aquarium hobby. Now, my goal with this show is to educate beginners on fish keeping and get them in the hobby. Tonight, I start part one of a many-part series dedicated to beginners. I introduce the tropical fish keeping hobby to everyone who is not a fish keeper or is interested in entering the aquarium hobby. Topics for this show will range from the history of the fish keeping hobby, why the fish hobby is so popular, and much more. You know, when I first joined the aquarium hobby as a first-time fish keeper, I had a lot of questions, and I was very afraid. I am here to make sure I answer all of your questions and make you have fun in the aquarium hobby and not be afraid like I was. Now, oftentimes, beginners make mistakes, and I'm here to prevent these mistakes. All right? So I hope you, the beginners in the fishkeeping hobby, enjoy the Aquarium Talk series that's going to take place once a week right here on the American Variety Network. Now, are you a experienced fish keeper who wants to help beginners and share beginner tips? If you are an experienced fish keeper and you are listening to tonight's show, please feel free to call in live anytime during the show at 1-347-989-8142 to share your tips. I often feel that beginners learn from experienced fish keepers. So, like I said, if you are an experienced fish keeper listening to today's show, don't be shy. Call in 1-347-989-8142 and share your advice for any beginner entering into the world of fish keeping. So, I'm going to start the show by discussing some of the mistakes I made as a beginner to the aquarium hobby so that you, as a beginner, can avoid these mistakes. And then I'll talk about the history of the aquarium hobby. That's coming up right after our show introduction. Don't go anywhere, fish keepers. The fun beginner fish discussion starts right after this.
Hi, Jeremy Stellhorn. I'm tuned into the American Variety Network, where I find the shows very educational and entertaining. You are tuned in live to the American Variety Network here, live on Blog Talk Radio. With a name like American Variety, you can expect a wide variety of topics. Now, let's get live here on the AV Network. Are you bold enough to call in and interact with tonight's topic? Well, prove it by calling in live at 1-347-989-8142 to ask questions about tonight's topic or share your thoughts on tonight's topic. Just pick up your phone and dial 1-347-989-8142 and go into a quiet location. Again, that's 1-347-989-8142. Now let's get on with the show. Tropical fish keepers, I've got one question for you. Are you ready? No, I said are you ready? Are you ready for a fun and educational fish keeping podcast? Great, well let's get on with the show. American Variety Network now presents to you Aquarium Talk, the podcast where we will talk about freshwater, saltwater and anything in an aquarium. Keepers and soon to be fish keepers, let's go ahead and get the first episode of Aquarium Talk the Podcast underway. Now, remember, Aquarium Talk the Podcast is going to be a aquarium podcast for beginners entering into the world of the tropical fish keeping hobby. So, I'm going to start today's show by discussing how I got into the tropical fish keeping hobby and then I'll talk about my mistakes as a beginner. So let's go ahead and get started. Now fortunately for me I was born into the fish keeping hobby and if you are a big fan of my show, if you are a loyal listener of the American Variety Network, I've explained this story several times before but I'll tell you guys again on this show. Now, my father has been keeping fish for about 25 years, and I am 22 years old. So, I was technically born in the tropical fish keeping hobby, and I grew up in the tropical fish keeping hobby. When I was three or four years old, I used to always go to the fish store with my dad, and my dad told me when I was younger that I enjoyed going to the fish store with him and he enjoyed bringing me. And by the time I was seven years old, I was really interested in the tropical fish keeping hobby. I really enjoyed it and I wanted my own fish tank at that age. But my dad said first I have to learn more responsibility and get a little bit older. So two years later at the age of nine, I got a betta and I took good care of my betta, and he did well for a year or two, but then I lost interest in a betta fish, and here we are all these years later, and I still don't have any interest 
in the beta. I guess the beta is not for me. Anyways, fast forward. At the age of 13, I got my very first fish tank, and it was a 55-gallon aquarium that my dad got from one of his friends for free, and my dad gave me the tank as a present, and he said that I showed a lot of responsibility with my betta, and he believes that I was going to take good care of my fish. Now, like the beginner that I was, I went out and bought fish the same day that I had my 55-gallon aquarium, and I bought fish that were way too large for the 55-gallon aquarium. I bought two Oscars. I bought a Paku, a Red Devil, and a Pleco. Now, this was done behind my dad's back. I went to the fish store with a friend when my dad was at work, and my friends, uh, one of my mom's friends was babysitting me, so my mom's friend took me to the store, and uh, I bought the fish then. And boy, was I in big trouble when my dad saw those fish in that tank. He was really pissed. He made me bring back everything except for the Oscar and one Pleco. So fast forward all these years, I've done my research on the tropical fish keeping hobby, and when I was 16 years old, I got my very first large aquarium, and that was my 150-gallon aquarium, which lasted for a little while. It was a used aquarium, and I got to enjoy about two or three years out of it before the glass cracked and the tank busted on me. But it was a very nice 150-gallon aquarium that I housed Oscars and other large cichlids in. And at that time, that is when I did my extensive research on the freshwater side of the aquarium hobby. And when I turned 20, two years ago, I re-entered the freshwater side of the hobby by getting another tank. And this, one, this time was a 75-gallon aquarium. I did take a little break between 18 and 19. I had one tank, but I didn't have as much fish as I usually do that time. But when I was 20 years old, I got really back into the hobby. Really, my, my interest really peaked, and I started to enjoy the aquarium hobby like I did all those years. So, we all know what happened last year in the fishkeeping hobby. I was really addicted to the fishkeeping hobby last year. And now this year, 22 years old, I finally had my very first saltwater aquarium. I left the freshwater hobby this year, and now currently I am entering into the world of saltwater. So I am very excited about that. My saltwater tank is going to be a 29-gallon aquarium, which is actually cycling right now. And you guys know about my saltwater aquarium if you've been listening to my saltwater series right here on the American Variety Network. So that's just a little background of how I got into the fish hobby. Now, I want to talk to you about my mistakes as a beginner entering into the fish hobby. My very first mistake I made as a beginner was not researching. Now, I did not research when I got my first ever 55-gallon aquarium, and that turned out to be a huge mistake of mine. Now, I also purchased the fish the same day I got the aquarium. 
So by me not researching, I did not know I had to cycle an aquarium first. And my failure to research allowed me to buy fish that grew too big for my aquarium, like the Oscars, like the Paku, the Red Devil, and even the common plecos. So shall I have done my research, I probably would have not have bought all those monster fish for a 55-gallon aquarium. So it really is important for all the beginners out there to do their research. Now, another mistake I made, probably the most crucial mistake I made, was I did not cycle my aquarium. And I was lucky that my Oscar and my Pleco survived because my dad put some of his tank water in my 55-gallon, and I think that really saved those fish. But I did not cycle my 55-gallon aquarium, and that was a huge, crucial mistake. Now, another mistake I did make as a beginner is I did not buy the right size equipment for a 55-gallon aquarium. I simply took like a 30-gallon hang-on-the-back filter and put it on my 55-gallon aquarium. And I took like a 250-watt heater and just put it on my aquarium and said, I'm done with that. But that was because I was young at mind, and a young 13-year-old is not going to have a ton of money to go and buy a brand-new filter and such. But when I got my tour money, I went out and bought a... 7590 filter for my 55-gallon aquarium. But when I first set up my 55-gallon aquarium, all I had was a 30-gallon hang-on-the-back filter and a 250-watt heater. So my advice to any beginner out there is when you get your aquarium, make sure you have the right size filtration and the right size equipment on your aquarium. Now, I'm going to teach you about the importance of all this in the entire beginner series. There's going to be a number of episodes on this because as a beginner, you can't just talk about everything on one show. I'm going to do a whole series of shows for you. But before we talk about you entering the hobby as a beginner, let me teach you a few things about the fish keeping hobby. First, let's talk about the history of the fish keeping hobby, and we're going to start with the beginning of time. Now, the first known freshwater fish keepers were the ancient, ancient Samorians who kept fish in artificial ponds at least 4,500 years ago. Now, other accounts of the fish keeping also come from the baby loins, 500 BC, and ancient Egypt. In fact, the Egyptians considered fish holy, worshipping the Nile perch. Now, the Chinese, who raised carp about 3,500 years ago, were possibly the first to breed fish for food with any degree of success. Now, the Chinese kept carp and started breeding them selectively during the Tang Dynasty. Records show these fish were kept for purely decorative purposes. People were forbidden to eat them. 
folks, thank the Chinese people for the very beautiful goldfish, arowanas, discus, and some of the most exotic freshwater fish out there. Now, for years, I, among other fish keepers, pay the ultimate respect to the Asian fish hobbyists as they paved the way for some exotic fish in the hobby. Now, surely, there has been controversy because of the dying of fish, and unfortunately, fish dying does happen in Asia, and I'm not talking about fish passing away. I'm talking about painting and tattooing fish. It does happen in Asia, but then again, there are some natural fish in Asia as well. So, we cannot forget that without the Asians, there simply would not be fancy goldfish, fancy arowanas, and some of the fancy exotic fish that do exist in the tropical fish keeping hobby today. Okay? Now, the ancient Romans who kept fish for food and entertainment were the first known marine, aka saltwater, fish keepers. Now, let's talk about in the middle of time. Goldfish made their way into Europe by 1691. During this time, it is believed goldfish and paradise fish were kept in bowls, and this is believed to be the time keeping fish in bowls was invented. In 1805, little was known about fish about keeping fish alive indoors. People did not know how to cycle an aquarium back then. Also, in 1805, a man by the name of Robert Warrington is credited with studying the tank's requirement to be cycled to keep fish alive for longer. Now, the hobby required specialized attention, equipment, and it reserved the aquarium hobby for the wealthy. Imagine that! You had to be rich to have fish back in 1805. Let that sink in. You had to have a lot of money in order to have fish in 1805. Wow, we've come a long way, haven't we? Now, fish tanks for tropical fish require heating via flames underneath the aquarium via heating lamps. Now, when electricity was introduced into the home, fish enthusiasts began experimenting with electrical immersion heaters in glass tubes. Now, let's fast forward to 1850. By 1850, the keeping of fish, amphibians, and reptiles had become useful in the study of nature. It was in the works of Philip H. Goose, an English naturalist, that the term aquarium first appeared. His work aroused in, in, increased public interest in aquatic life. The first display aquarium was opened to the public in 1853 at Regent's Park in London. It was followed by aquariums in Berlin, Naples, and Paris. Now, let's fast forward to the 1920s. By 1928, there were 45 public or commercial aquariums throughout the world, 
but growth then slowed and few new large aquariums appeared until after World War II. Now many of the world's principal cities now have public aquariums as well as commercial ones and a fish keeping hobby was born. Now in the 1960s the fish keeping hobby as a hobby improved as the industry went from glass frame tanks to glass seal tanks allowing for better waterproofing of the aquarium. Further innovations include the advent of the acrylic tank which is more lightweight, more crack resistant and lends itself to different shapes besides the basic rectangle glass tank. Now also in the 1960s through the 1980s saw many developments in maintaining saltwater aquariums for the albeit very serious hobbyist as opposed to a more publicly funded zoo setting for saltwater tanks. Now breakthrough include understanding the role live rock plays in maintaining tank balances as well as advancements in filtration systems including the use of protein skimmers and the wet dry or trickle filtration methods. Understanding filtration systems, salinity need and live rock requirements all helped propel forward the saltwater tank for the home hobbyist. And ladies and gentlemen, in 2015, the saltwater aquarium hobby is as easy as it's ever been before. It's not really as difficult as many people make the saltwater hobby out to be. Okay? So, let's fast forward to today's history, the 21st century. First, we've got new and improved aquarium equipment with technology. Yes, technology is great for our brand new aquarium equipment. I have a heater on my saltwater aquarium that actually tells me the exact temperature of my aquarium. It was an expensive heater. I think it was like $70 for a 29-gallon aquarium with a very, very good heater. Actually, I'm looking at it right now, and it says my tank is at 78.2 degrees Fahrenheit, which is perfect for a saltwater aquarium. Now, that's just one example of how our equipment has evolved over the last few years. And you've got some uh, electronical filtration systems now, which are very expensive. So, technology has improved all of our aquarium equipment. Now, Google plays an important role in the fish keeping hobby because research is very, very important in this hobby. Now, the good thing for the 21st century is that more fish are now being captive bred. More fish are being bred in aquariums, and that saves the fish out in the wild, especially in the saltwater world, because 9 out of 10 times, a lot of the fish that are coming into the fish stores in the saltwater section are wild caught. But Oceans, Reefs, and Aquaculture, ORA, is trying to captive or is, ORA is trying to captive breed a lot of these species to save some of them in the wild. And luckily, 90% of all the fish in the freshwater hobby, they're all tank raised, they're all captive bred. So 
They're going to do, they're going to adjust to life in an aquarium much easier than any wild caught specimen would, and they're going to they're going to get used to different water parameters than their natural environment, and they're going to like being in an aquarium because they are captive bred. Now the fish hobby is continuing to grow in the 21st century. We've got places like Petco, PetSmart, your local mom and dad fish stores. There's fish stores all over the country and all over the world. More and more people are getting interested in the fish keeping hobby, which is definitely a good thing. Now, this makes me very excited. Youth are now taking an interest in the aquarium hobby. We've got young kids finding a hobby in the aquarium hobby. This keeps them off the street. This keeps them from drug dealing or getting into gang violence. Fish keeping is a good hobby for the youth of today's generation because it's going to teach them responsibility and they're going to enjoy keeping fish. And overall, it's a very good hobby to be in. I learned a lot from the fish keeping hobby and the fish keeping hobby, believe it or not, taught me a lot about being a responsible pet owner and being a responsible man overall. So that is the history of the fish keeping hobby in a nutshell. And I hope I read everything correctly to you guys. And uh, I actually had to read a little bit about the fish keeping hobby because I could not come on here and ad lib about the whole entire fish keeping history because it would be difficult. So I took what I found on notes, copied it on a word pad, and read it to you. But now let's get back to ad-libbing. I prefer ad-libbing over reading, as you guys can tell. So I want to answer the question right now. Why is the fish-keeping hobby so darn popular? Great question. Now i gotta stop to, I got to stop and think to myself, why would the fish-keeping hobby be so popular? Well, instantly two things come to my head. The first one is... Fish can be seen at PetSmart and Petco and virtually, usually, at every pet store, all right? And prices are cheap, and usually this entices people to want to enter the aquarium hobby. One example, usually the prices of fish are cheap at PetSmart and Petco. That's a very good example. I go into my PetSmart or my Petco. I have both now in my area. A few years ago, all I had was a Petco, but luckily this year, they built a PetSmart in my area. But anyways, uh, a few years ago, I would go into my Petco and look for, let's say, an Oscar, and I saw that Petco had an Oscar for $5.99. I go to my local fish store, and I see they have Oscars the same size, the same kind, but they want $12.99 an Oscar. And if you are a beginner into the aquarium hobby, you might not know about a local fish store. You might only know of Petco and PetSmart and maybe like a big chain pet store in your area. And up here in Mass, we have a big pet chain called Days Pet Food City. Now, I prefer Days Pet Food City over Petco and PetSmart because they actually care about their fish and there's an expert in every single day's pet food city that knows what they are doing. So um, 
a beginner might not know about a local fish store, but they might know about a pet store or a PetSmart or a Petco. So what usually entices them is the prices of the fish at these stores. Plus, Petco and PetSmart usually have like a once-a-year sale on livestock, and let's not forget about the sales they have on equipment and such. Now, a lot of the people that I've met in the fish-keeping hobby, when I asked them, how did you get in the aquarium hobby? They usually said they looked at Petco and PetSmart, they saw the cichlids, or they saw their favorite tetras and stuff, and they wanted to enter into the aquarium hobby. Now, the next thing that makes the aquarium hobby so popular, let's not forget that places like Petco and PetSmart usually offer $1 per gallon sales. And I believe this entices people to get a fish tank. I mean, if I mean, if you are going to uh, be entering the aquarium hobby and you can get an aquarium, let's say you want to buy a 55-gallon aquarium, and you can get a brand-new 55-gallon aquarium for only $55, would you not want to do that? I think you would. So I think the dollar per gallon sale entices a lot of people to enter the aquarium hobby. And I really think that Petco and PetSmart do that to bring more people into the aquarium hobby. Now, last but not least, the last reason I think the fish keeping hobby is so popular is I believe that some of their friends may keep fish, and I'm talking about beginners, and nine times out of ten, this is how people will enter the aquarium hobby. Let's say I have a friend named John, and I don't keep fish, but my friend John has a very beautiful piranha aquarium or a saltwater aquarium, and I say, hey, John, I love your aquarium. I want one of my own. How do I set up my aquarium? And then the friend walks them through, and that is how somebody enters the aquarium hobby. And that is why I think the aquarium hobby is so popular. All right? So we're going to go ahead and take our first intermission for today's show. But we've got plenty more great discussion coming your way. Coming up next, I'm going to discuss why research is very important in the aquarium hobby. I'm going to talk about the three major kinds of fish keeping systems, and then I'm going to have a brief discussion on tropical fish. All right, so stay tuned. I've got a lot coming your way. We're going to hear a song during this intermission, and the name of this song is called It Is Going Down, and then we're going to hear our infomercials, and when we come back, we're going to continue our great show so don't go anywhere, fish keepers, and soon-to-be fish keepers. Here we go again. Here we go. Get on Bill USA. Uh-oh. You know, I go by the name Nitty, right? Uh-huh. I got to introduce y'all another motherfucker out of my squad, right? Who is this nigga, man? This nigga go by the name of Jock. Jock. He resides in College Park, right? Park, But for right now, what we got to do for y'all, what we going to do? We got to give y'all a hit. Huh? Niggas in my face, hey. damn near every day. Hey. Asking me a question like, Jock, where you stay? Hey. Tell them uh-huh. college ball, uh-huh. where they chop car. Yeah. Eat 20 grand, spend a grand at the bar. Uh-huh. Just about his own, uh-huh. Jay's on uh-huh. 
tap on the phone, count dough. If your girl choose, let her do a thing. Just like a mama, nice ass, night brain. Everybody love me, I'm so fly. Nigga throw the juice every time I ride by. I know you wonder why, I'm so cool. Don't ask me, just do what you do. Meet me in the trail, it's going down. Meet me in the mall, it's going down. Meet me in the club, it's going down. Anywhere you meet me, guaranteed to go down. Meet me in the trail, it's going down. Meet me in the mall, it's going down. Meet me in the club, it's going down. Anywhere you meet me, guaranteed to go down. Verse number two, do the damn thing. On my neck pocket full of in frame When I'm in the mall Hoes just pause I pop a few tags Give me that on the wall Time to flip the work Make the block bump Boys in the hood Call me Black Donald Trump Go for magic Seven days a week Number one record Longest nitty on the beat Who I think they like me Better yet I know Like camera action When I walk through the door Niggas know my crew We certified stars Belly in the front About 30 if I call bitches in the back, let be my cool. Girls like a girl, time to recruit. If you got a problem, say it to my face. We can knuckle up anytime, any place. Meet me in the trail, it's going down. Meet me in the mall, it's going down. Meet me in the club, it's going down. Anywhere you meet me, guaranteed to go down. Meet me in the trail, it's going down. Meet me in the mall, it's going down. Meet me in the club, it's going down Anywhere you meet me, guaranteed to go down Time to set it all, let these niggas know Have you ever seen a Chevy with the butterfly dough? I ride real slow, no need to speed Gotta make sure you see the buttons on my feet Feds on my trail, but down think I know I keep my hands clean, cause I never touch dope Every time I see them, look them in their eyes Ask me how I know, it's me Surprise, put it in the air, rip where you stay, take a step back, blow the cushion they face, sudden is a habit, let them see the carrots, I'ma make it rain, nigga, I ain't scared to share, meet me in the trail, it's going down, meet me in the mall, it's going down, meet me in the club, it's going down, anywhere you meet me, guaranteed to go down, meet me in the trail, it's going down, meet me in the mall, it's going down, meet me Okay, so I'm going to stop our intermission really quickly because I see that we have a caller in the studio, and I'm going to go ahead and answer this caller. Hi, you're now live on Aquarium Talk here live on American Variety Network. Thank you so much for calling in. Hello? Hello? Okay, so I'm assuming they're just calling in to uh, listen to the show. So I'm going to go ahead and get right back to our uh, intermission. 
Do you have something you'd like to promote or advertise? Do you want to get some much-needed exposure for your business or your very own Facebook page or even your very own podcast? Well, look no further than Jackie's help and advice for promoting on Facebook. Jackie will help you advertise your goods and help you spread the word. I, Alice Cardinelli, have personally been great friends with Miss Jackie Wilkes, and she has a very kind heart, and she is a very sweet lady, and she will definitely help you grow like she has helped Alice Cardinelli grow. To advertise and promote your business or anything you want to advertise, please like and check out the page, Jackie's Help and Advice for Promoting on Facebook. Are you enjoying tonight's episode of the American Variety Network? Great! The American Variety Network really appreciates your listening. We also appreciate listener feedback. Please feel free to email us your thoughts and opinions on tonight's show. Our email address is AmericanVarietyNetwork at Comcast.net. That's American Variety Network at Comcast.net. You may also email us with any questions, comments, or concerns you may have about our show. You can also email us to book a guest appearance on the American Variety Network, or you may contact us to become a sponsor of the American Variety Network. American Variety Network at Comcast.net. Would you like to find out when the next episode of the American Variety Network is? Do you want to find out the news and updates for the American Variety Network? Well, all you have to do is go on your computer and log on to the social media sites. The American Variety Network is now on Facebook and Twitter. That's right, you can find the American Variety Network on Facebook and Twitter. Like our fan page on Facebook called American Variety Network and follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter fan page is at American Network One. Again, our fan page on Facebook is American Variety Network. Hit like and our fan page on Twitter is at American Network One and hit follow. While you're here listening to this show on Blog Talk Radio, feel free to check out some of the other great shows Blog Talk Radio has to offer. There are shows for everyone, whether it be sports shows, politics shows, comedy shows, talk shows, and yes, even church religious shows. Become a loyal listener of Blog Talk Radio. Today, blogtalkradio.com. Happy Halloween from Alex Cardinali and all of us here at the American Variety Network.
We hope that your month is full of tricks and treats as well as plenty of scariness. Don't forget to enjoy some delicious candy this Halloween season. The American Variety Network suggests Reese's, Kit Kat, Snickers, and some Oreos for delicious Halloween treats. Make sure you have your candy ready for trick or treating. Happy Halloween! Halloween Tricks The American Variety Network live on Saturday, October 31st, 2015 at 9pm Eastern, 8pm Central, 7pm Mountain, and 6pm Pacific. October 31st just happens to be Halloween. On a special Halloween night, the American Variety Network will celebrate Halloween with plenty of tricks and treats, scary Halloween stories, Halloween music, and candy discussion. So ghosts, goblins, and zombies come out of your prowl and tune into the American Variety Network for a special Halloween 2015 fun show. Join us Halloween night 9pm Eastern at blogtalkradio.com forward slash American Network. Happy Halloween. to the American Variety Network, your only place for variety on Blog Talk Radio. Hi, Jeremy Stillhorn. I'm tuned into the American Variety Network, where I find the show is very educational and entertaining. Are you bold enough to call in and interact with tonight's topic? Well, prove it by calling in live at one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two to ask questions about tonight's topic or share your thoughts on tonight's topic. Just pick up your phone and dial one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two and go into a quiet location. Again, that's one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two. Now let's get on with the show. Tropical Fish Keepers, I've got one question for you. Are you ready? No, I said are you ready? Are you ready for a fun and educational fish keeping podcast? Great, well let's get on with the show. American Variety Network now presents to you Aquarium Talk, the podcast where we will talk about freshwater, saltwater and anything in an aquarium. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Aquarium Talk right here on American Variety Network. Now, Aquarium Talk is going to be a podcast where we talk about aquariums for first-time fish keepers or beginners entering into the fish keeping hobby. And before our intermission, we're talking about why the aquarium hobby is so popular and the history of the tropical fish keeping hobby. And now we've got a lot more to talk about. But first, I'd like to give one more caller plug-in. If you are listening live and you should have any questions or comments, or if you're a beginner who has a question, or if you are an expert who wants to help the beginners, please feel free to call in 
at 1-347-989-8142. All right, so let's go ahead and get back into our discussion. And now I'm going to talk about why research is really important when it comes to the fish keeping hobby. Now, just like any other hobby, research is very, very important in this fish keeping hobby because oftentimes new hobbyists enter the hobby by going to the store and buying a fish tank and fish that very same day without ever researching anything. Now, to make matters worse, sometimes the people who work in the fish rooms at Petco and PetSmart, they're just there for a paycheck, and not every employee there is going to know how to take care of fish, and that is the sad truth. Now, nine times out of ten, first-time fish keepers fail because they don't do their research or they listen to the advice from employees, smart, and their advice sometimes is misleading or just downright awful advice. Now, when all of their fish die from an uncycled aquarium due to not researching, they're going to feel frustrated and will leave the hobby after all the money they spent, and they will feel very miserable about the whole fish-keeping ordeal. So my goal is to emphasize to first-time beginners the need for research in the aquarium hobby. I want any people listening to these Aquarium Talk podcasts to recognize the importance of research. So right now, I'm going to discuss the importance of research in the fish keeping hobby. Now, by researching, you're going to learn how to set up your first aquarium. Now, when you do your research, when you get your first aquarium, you're going to know that you have to cycle an aquarium before you put any fish in it. You will also find out about water parameters and all the equipment you need. So before you actually go and buy your fish tank, you should, you should research on what do I need for a freshwater tank or whatever, whatever side of the hobby you're getting in. You should research everything you can that way you will learn. Now next week, I'm going to talk to you about setting up your very first aquarium, how to cycle it, and all the equipment you're going to need. But let's focus on this week, and let's focus on research still. Now, by researching, you will also find some great fish forms. Now, fish forms were great back in the old days, like 2005 to 2008, 25 years ago. I would go on fish forms, and I talked with a lot of experienced fish keepers and got a lot of my knowledge through other fish keepers. And in 2015, fish forms are still very popular. Uh, for beginners, I definitely would recommend you check out AquariaCentral.com. That is one of the oldest forms that I know of. It's a very popular one as well. So if you like it and you're starting to get interested in the fish keeping hobby, I definitely would recommend AquariaCentral.com. Now, if you are thinking about getting into monster fish, I personally would really recommend monsterfishkeepers.com because that's a really good site for 
uh, monster fish keepers who uh, like monster fish. And if you're a beginner, I know that a lot of the beginners out there, they love their Oscars and their monster fish. So definitely check out monsterfishkeepers.com. Now, Facebook has some wonderful fish keeping groups, such as Freshwater Fish Freaks and some other awesome groups. And you'll get the help from experienced fish keepers on that wonderful group. Now, we have another caller here on the show, and this is awesome. Hi, you're now live on Aquarium Talk, the podcast. Thank you very much for calling in. Hey, Alex, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, Donovan. How are you tonight, sir? I'm doing pretty great. Uh, I'm just calling in to talk about... Uh a few things with the beginning fish keeper. Oh, that sounds good. I can't wait to hear it. Awesome. Okay, so we're talking you were just talking about uh monster fish keeping. Now, we both know you're pretty much the expert at this, but if you were to, wanting to keep monster fish, what kind of situation would you need in the beginning? Like what do you need uh, to think about with what fish you're going to buy? Great question. So if you are actually contemplating or thinking about getting monster fish, the first question I would ask myself is if I can afford a monster aquarium because monster fish require a huge tank, and a huge tank is going to cost you a lot of money to fill it and do water changes and equip it. A lot of the filters you're going to need for a big aquarium are very expensive, but if you're very serious about getting into monster fish, you can buy like a used 75-gallon aquarium or a used 90-gallon aquarium on Craigslist cheap. So the first thing I'd say before you even get any monster fish is I'd say get a big tank first. A lot of people like to buy like a 55-gallon aquarium or sometimes even a 30-gallon aquarium and say that they're going to use that as a grow-out tank and they say they're going to get a bigger tank later on down the road. But nine times out of ten, that person that says that never, ever gets a larger tank. So if you're thinking about getting into monster fish, I'd say get your big tank first, then get your monster fish. And, you know, that's a good answer. Uh, my, my next question to you, though, is if you're talking monster fish, wh- what are you exactly getting into? Oscars, catfish? I mean, what are, what are we looking at? Well, for beginners, I'd say stay away from pakus, red tail cats, and anything that grows over a foot. For beginners, I'd say the perfect monster for a beginner would probably be like an Oscar, uh, Jack Dempsey, Convicts, anything that stays under a foot. Uh, I think an Oscar is the perfect monster fish for a beginner. Jack Dempsey's are as well, Convicts, and things like that. Uh, They could probably do like the Red Devils and stuff too, but like I said... Once you get into fish that are over a foot long, you're going to need like a 125 and up. And I don't think a beginner could uh, afford a 125 and stuff like that. So I would stay away from the red tail cats, the pakus, the tiger spelinos. Leave those people who have 300 gallon tanks and such. You know, that's an awesome answer, Alex. I, I totally agree with you on that. Um, actually, as a beginner, I probably wouldn't uh, get into monster fish, honestly. I, I mean, you could, but. You know, you're a beginner, so, I mean, that's kind of a big jump with financials. Yeah, you're right. Nine times out of ten, people that enter the fish keeping hobby usually go for 
garamis and tetras and community fish, but it has to be someone that saw an Oscar or a monster fish that made them want to get into monsters. Oh, I totally, I totally agree on that. You know, uh, you know, I, I've always thought about getting a like an Oscar and things like that. I tried getting an Oscar. I couldn't keep him alive. Well, I, I bet I know why, um, but I we won't talk about that situation. Um, here's my thing. You know, you were talking about where to get the the monster fish and or any fish in general. I think, uh, like you were saying earlier, your research is a really huge deal on this because if you don't research what you're looking, you know, what you need for your tank or the fish you're getting or where you're getting your fish, that's one of the big things is where you're getting the fish. Don't get me wrong, Alex, uh, Petco and PetSmart, they got great fish, but sometimes I see a lot of things on the bad side with health-wise of their fish. So, I mean... I'm going to comment on what you said earlier. Your research is a huge thing whenever it comes to where you're getting your fish at as a beginner. You're right about that. I I agree with you about the health of uh, Petco and PetSmart fish. I kind of find it's like iffy, iffy, 50-50, because sometimes the fish are good and sometimes their fish are bad. It just depends on the Petco and PetSmart in your area. I mean, incorrect. And, you know, most of the time it's, if they get the fish in that day, you, you're, you're probably pretty good. But if you keep the, if they have the fish for maybe a week or two or longer, that's when it gets 50-50 iffy kind of situation because what's in their tank is, you know, most of the time they've got diseases with their fish and things of that sort. And then you've over here you've got the new fish that came in that probably haven't got the diseases yet. So you've really got to look into when the stock comes in as well. Yes, that's very true. That's a hundred percent correct. I think it's fun to uh, buy fish from Petco and PetSmart as soon as they come in. Oh yeah, I like to walk in whenever they got them in the bag, still trying to acclimate them, and I'll buy them right right there with the bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my local fish store doesn't sell fish as soon as they come in, though. I don't know why, but they won't. Yeah, you know, I'll be honest with you. I went and bought. Uh, the uh, guppies, I think it was, the other day, like five of them. I got one male and four females, and I know this is really rude, but I was like, well, I just started a little feeding deal. Well, I put the fish in the <laughs> tank, and I'm not joking with you, one died every day. <laughs> so, oh, and I know my water's, yeah, I know my water's good, man. I mean, you, you've seen several pictures of all my fish tanks. I mean, there, it couldn't have been what was in the water. <laughs> Yeah, you got one of the one of the best saltwater aquariums I've ever seen, and your African cichlid tanks are awesome as well. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I, I I work hard on that. That's about all I do, honestly. Um, well, if you don't mind, do you care if I stay on the show for a while and let you let you talk and maybe comment? Yeah, I'd love that. That'd be really awesome. Cool. All right, go ahead and uh, start off where you well where I left you off out there. All right, sounds sounds good. So we just finished talking about uh, fish forms and all the wonderful Facebook fish groups, and I'll finish off by saying there are some uh, wonderful Facebook fish groups like Freshwater Fish Freaks and uh, Fish Geeks. So moving down a little bit, let's talk about more how research is important. Now, researching is going to teach you everything you need to know about the aquarium hobby. For example, the kinds of fish, how big each fish gets, the kind of fish food you need to feed this fish, etc. So, for example, 
if you have a 55-gallon aquarium and you saw like a Paku that you liked at the fish store, if you did a research on the Paku, you would realize that a 55-gallon aquarium is too small for your tank. Now, I tell all the beginners out there who are interested in getting into tropical fish, take advantage of Google. Research everything you can about the fish hobby so that you can learn everything. But the one thing I can say is take notes. Jot notes down in a notebook. That is one thing that helped me in this hobby and other hobbies by taking notes. You'll be able to read them over and over again until you remember everything you need to know about the aquarium hobby. So do you actually take notes, Jonathan, when you're researching a new species? Actually, this is what I do when I research a fish. I pick and choose my information because there's so much info on one fish. So I take what I read, and if I read, say if I read one fish has longer fins and you can't keep a certain fish with them, if I see that five or six times, I'll probably jot that down. But if I see something that's off the wall here and there, I probably won't keep that information because I'm not seeing it very often. So you kind of have to pick and choose with what you actually get off Google. Yeah, that's very true. I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you said that. Now, hands-on experience is great for most hobbies, but I would say for the fish-keeping hobby, you should wait until you've done all your research before you've gone out and picked up your fish tank and everything needed for it. So would you agree with that statement, Donovan? I totally agree with that 100%. You know, you get a lot of these new fish keepers, and, they're, and they go into it pretty much blindsided because the store, they'll tell you, oh, this fish can go in a 20-gallon when it really needs to be in a 50 or a 75. Or if you go get a certain food, say if you're into salt water, there's a lot of fish out there. You can't just go get flakes for salt water because most of them, they come right out of the ocean. I mean, so you really have to really think about and look up what you need to do for the for your aquarium whatever you're putting together very very well said so now i'd like to offer my advice for beginners in the fish keeping hobby and like i said i'm going to emphasize the importance of research in the fish keeping hobby the first advice i have for beginners in the hobby is to do your research the second advice I have for beginners in the fish keeping hobby is to buy from locally owned fish stores as they are owned usually by experienced fish keeping hobbyists and they are willing to help you out. And nine times out of ten, if you buy from a local fish store, they're going to go out of their way to keep you. Sometimes they'll give you a discount and sometimes they will throw in a free fish if you buy from them, that's what I that's what I that's what I experienced from my local fish store, and I actually like my local fish store, uh, School of Fish Inc. right here in Springfield, Mass. is one of my most favorite fish stores of all time. I lived in Florida for a while, and I lived here in Mass for a long time. And I've got to say, School of Fish is one of the best fish stores I've ever seen. Now, this one is really important about uh, my advice I can give you. Be patient. Don't rush it. Don't rush entering the aquarium hobby. I know it's going to be hard that you might be looking at an aquarium that's empty as it cycles, but you want to make sure your water is safe for all the fish that you buy. And definitely 
Don't buy on impulse. Control your impulse. Don't go out there and buy 25 fish for your new tank because they're all going to die. And the last thing I will say for a beginner is to listen to some experienced fish keepers like myself and all my guests that I'm going to have on this show because we're all here to help you. And experienced fish keepers, they will help you out in the aquarium hobby. So what would your advice be for beginners, Donovan? My advice, I'm going to back you up on what you said. You need to really take your time. And, you know, we can say this a hundred times, Alex, but, you know, just as well as I do, the beginner is going to go out and buy 25 fish, and they're going to die, and they're going to be upset. And we're going to be over here. I'm not saying I told you so, but we mentioned that many times. My big thing with, you know, they don't understand, like, your ammonia levels, which is very basic for a freshwater tank. Your ammonia levels and the fish that, you know, it's like putting uh, you in a room, a 10 by 10 room, with somebody smoking a cigarette and it keeps filling up and filling up. That's just like them going to the bathroom. You know, they're filling it up, filling it up. you got to do that water change. Even though the water evaporates, that's still not enough for the ammonia level to go down because that ammonia level actually goes higher when that water evaporates. It's kind of like the salt water. You know, as a beginner, I was pretty dumb when I first started. I ain't going to lie. Pretty done with the with the hobby, and you know, I I got my tank set up. I was like, okay, I'm gonna buy fish that day, so I did. I had a couple die. My stupidity, you really got to do the research. And but like like I'm backing you up on this situation. Um, really need to do water changes. This that's that is my one big thing that I will tell a beginner. Even though it's a lot of work, until you really get into the hobby, and you get a python like I I and Alex have. You really need to keep a bucket around or put your fish tank by a window, whatever it might be. Those water changes are a big deal in the hobby. You know, you're probably tired of hearing me talk about this, but Alex can probably back me up on this. The ammonia level, as a beginner, you don't understand until you lose fish. So, I mean, that's kind of my big thing right there, Alex, is what I want to mention. Yes, you're very correct on that. And uh, water changes are probably the most essential importance in an aquarium besides the filtration and making sure your tank is fully cycled because ammonia and high nitrates could easily kill a fish as fast as five minutes. So I always recommend that beginners go out and buy a test kit. Now, I personally recommend the API Master Test Kit, which has those little test tubes. And test tubes are more accurate than those test strips. So I like to recommend buying the API Master Test Kit. And make sure you buy ones that are specific for freshwater and saltwater. Use the API Test Kit for freshwater, freshwater only, and the API Test Kit for marine, for marine only. And I think that any fish keeper should have an API Test Kit. You should not be in the aquarium hobby if you don't have one of those because you're never going to know what your parameters are and how bad your water is. And uh, usually, ammonia is caused by um, fish waste and excess food left in your aquarium. So I recommend not adding too much food to your aquarium. So that was a great point there, Donovan. I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. You know, I totally agree on the test kit. Um, But, I mean, if you're just starting with... A 10-gallon and getting guppies or a 20-gallon, 
you could probably get by with it, but if you're getting a bigger tank, then I would probably definitely get one of those kits. Now, salt water, on the other hand, I'm not going to lie to you. I've had so much trouble with it, and I've kind of figured it out. But you need the API test kit for that salt water. If you're doing salt water, if you're a beginner, I don't care if it's a 5-gallon nano to a 600-gallon saltwater monster fish tank. <laughs> you need that. You need that kit. That that to me is a big deal on salt water. Fresh water, I agree. You do definitely need that. But I mean, I probably wouldn't do it unless you were getting a bigger tank than a 20 gallon. In in my opinion. But but you know, I mean, your your opinion is totally different. I can understand where you're coming. from. Very well said. I appreciate your opinion. So let's talk about the kinds of the fish keeping systems there are. There are three kinds of fish keeping systems in, in, in the aquarium hobby. The first one is freshwater, which is the most popular system of the hobby, and referring to ecosystem. And tap water is the primary water for freshwater. And popular freshwater fish include fancy goldfish, cichlids, tetras, barbs, catfish, corridoris, and much more. Now, freshwater would be the fish-keeping system I would recommend to a new beginner as their first uh, tank. Second system for a aquarium hobby is the system I'm doing right now, saltwater. It's definitely the most expensive part of the hobby, but it offers beauty and color, it has more specific needs and requirements to maintain the livestock in the aquarium, and it is generally more expensive than fresh water, but the rewards are better than fresh water. And you need to have a good salt mix, and generally a good salt water is either from RO or distilled water. You shouldn't be using tap water for a saltwater aquarium, like I've learned. So saltwater... A lot of the expense is going to be coming from an RLDI system or purchasing RLD water all the time. But I enjoy doing it, so I don't have a problem doing it. And with salt water, you, kind of, you get to kind of be lazy because your water changes are very easy. You take your RLDI water, you mix your quality salt the night before you do a water change, let it sit 24 hours, and bang, you've got water to change already and add the fresh water in. Now, the most common saltwater fish include clownfish, tangs, eels, gobies, and some awesome invertebrates and damsels. The last system is what we call brackish water, and that combines both freshwater and saltwater in one, with salinity that must stay between that of freshwater and seawater. So generally, you're looking at 1.09 to 1.10 for a brackish water tank. Now, brackish water is not as common as fresh and salt water. It's usually reserved for uh, experienced fish keepers. Now, some fish that live in brackish water are mollies, many goby species, such as the bumblebee goby, some puffer fish, monos, scats, and virtually all of the freshwater foals. Now, monos and scats and mollies can actually be converted to salt water as well. I bet you guys didn't know that. But they could be converted to salt water. But me, personally, I would not do that. I don't know why I'd put a molly in a salt water aquarium. I don't think they would, they don't feel natural for me. I'm not 
to have a Molly Saltwater Aquarium. So those are your three systems for uh, beginners to know. Now, freshwater versus saltwater, which is better for a first-time beginner? Well, if this is going to be your very first aquarium, I personally recommend going with a freshwater aquarium because freshwater is more hardy and it's not going to cost you a ton of money. Freshwater is much cheaper and most of your freshwater fish are very hardy. A freshwater aquarium does not require a ton of attention. It does not require specific expensive equipment like some saltwater tanks can. Freshwater has more room for error. So if you make a mistake, you have more room to quickly correct your mistake. And actually, believe it or not, freshwater is available everywhere. Petco, PetSmart, and pet stores. While saltwater can only be found at your specialty fish stores, and depending on your area, your Petco may carry limited stock on saltwater. So I'm going to say a first-time beginner can have freshwater, and they should go freshwater. But if you've been in the hobby for six months to a year, and you've successfully kept a freshwater aquarium, then I think you should be okay venturing into the saltwater world. Now, first-hand experience I have with saltwater, I've only been in it for about three weeks. Uh, I think that a lot of the stuff that people put on the Internet about saltwater being difficult and really expensive is far-fetched. I mean, I've only spent about $300 on my 29-gallon tank. And I'll be spending another $100 coming up in a couple of weeks. So it really expensive as people make it sound. It really ain't that difficult. But you need to make sure you know how to uh, handle a nitrogen cycle before you get into the saltwater world. Because a nitrogen cycle is really different in saltwater than it is in freshwater. So in your opinion, where do you think a beginner should go? Freshwater or saltwater, Donovan? Alex, I, I'm agree, I'm totally agreeing with you, uh, freshwater. That would be definitely where I would start beyond anything because if you start saltwater, you're just going to fail miserably until you figure out what you're doing with freshwater first. Saltwater is actually uh, very, very different from freshwater. I thought saltwater was almost, I thought saltwater was going to be similar to freshwater, with actually, I'm really enjoying the saltwater hobby after spending 16 years or so in the freshwater hobby. It's nice to have a change, and I'm really enjoying it. So once you get the experience in freshwater, you can venture into uh, saltwater. So is there anything else you'd like to add for today's show, Donovan? Uh, yes, I do have a few more things, if you don't mind. Sure, go ahead. Okay, Alex, what do you use for a dechlorinator for your water for the beginners to, to so they know what to get? I actually use a product that is brand new to uh, my fish store. Uh, I forgot the name of it. I have it right next to my tank, so I should probably go and grab it for you guys so I can tell you the exact name. Okay, I got the product now. Uh, this is actually a brand new product that my fish store stocks, and they have one for freshwater and saltwater. So obviously, I grabbed the saltwater one, and it's called Start Start Complete, 
and it is by TLC, Tender Living Care, and it's a multi-purpose chemical, which means it clears your water and gets rid of all the chemicals in your water, and it actually is ideal for maintenance. So this is the bottle you would use if you were going to be using tap water or distilled water from the grocery store in a saltwater aquarium because it instantly removes all those chemicals in your water. Uh, I actually like this, the Smart Star Complete. It works great on a saltwater tank. I've never tried it on a freshwater tank. I do know they have a freshwater one, but I use this to take out all the chemicals and dechlorinate my tank. That's awesome, man. Uh, I actually use myself. I may have to give that a try. I actually use Prime myself. I, I, I believe in it 100%. I've used it ever since I started and never lost a fish with it. So, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty excited about that. Because, you know, when you do the water changes, um, that's a big deal because there's chlorine in your water to kill all the chemicals so it's safe for you to drink. So, to kill off the chlorine, you got to have that's something. And that's, what you, that's what I use. So. I've actually used Prime, too. I have actually have a whole bottle of Prime left for my freshwater tank. It's actually filled to the top. So I forgot that I had Prime before about this stuff, but I like Prime, too. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Prime's good stuff. I also have another thing to add for salt water. Okay. Okay, so what I've learned, because I don't have the money for a RODI system, nor do we have a store around here that sells RODI water. I use spring water to mix my salt into if I'm adding salt to my tank. To top my tank off, I use distilled water, but each time I still use uh, prime in that tank. And, I, and Alex, I don't use any salt water prime or anything of the sort because I didn't. I didn't even know they made that stuff. I've been sitting here using regular Prime this whole time until I just learned something new tonight. That's pretty cool. Well, actually, Prime is universal. You can use Prime for uh, fresh water, salt water, or brackish water. So you're you're fine with your Prime. I think that these companies make the salt water stuff and the brackish water stuff just to get more money. But I like all those oh, sorts okay. of, uh, of chemicals. Yeah. So Prime is Prime is universal. But you could actually use, like, the grocery store water to uh, fill uh, fill your tank, too. Like the Poland Springs, they fill those, like, five-gallon jugs. That's what I use when I do my water change. I actually, on the first day of the month, I buy, like, four or five of them. So I'm packed for a whole month with distilled water. Okay. Well, yeah, that's what I meant was the spring grocery water. I, I wasn't meaning, like, go find a spring or anything. I, I was just meaning what they have in the grocery store. You are correct, though. Yeah, I think that water is much smaller than using tap water. No problem with you. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I, I went down south to a store, and you know that's such an inconvenience when you're. When, I mean, you, you're very convenient. You're right by all your food stores, but I'm about an hour and a half hour out, and like we spoke before, my job doesn't really let me leave town too much. So I've got to kind of come up with my own thing if I don't have the $150 to buy an RODI system. So I really think that is a really awesome thing. You know, it's kind of a shortcut in a way, you know, that I found that was able to do that. Yeah, it's much cheaper, definitely. And uh, 
those five gallon jugs are only like four ninety five each, so it's a real real big savings for us. Oh yeah, I, I totally agree on that. And, and to go back to uh, freshwater, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit, if you don't mind, about the freshwater and sure. some questions. Okay, sure. so, you know, as a beginner, you know, we, we talked about doing the research, or you talked about the research and what you should really look at and look for in the fish. And, you know, my big thing, another thing is to a beginner, um, a heater. Do you think that's a huge deal for a beginner? Uh, it's a tough question. I know a couple of years ago, I would have told you that I did not believe using a heater for a fish that require 68 degrees Fahrenheit to 72 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, with the most tardiest fish, like tetras and garamis and barbs, I would probably say you probably would not need a heater. But if you're getting into things like cichlids and fish that require up to 78 degrees Fahrenheit, I would say that a heater should be added to your aquarium. Um, you can you can use any sort of heater you want, but make sure you use one that is adequate for your tank size. Now, if you plan on only doing tetras and barbs and the hardy stuff, and you want a heater, you can add one, but I want to put it on full blast. I'd keep it down to 68 to 72 degrees. However, if you put your tank in a room that stays warm, during the winter and stays at room temperature, you could probably get away with not having a heater. Um, I know it's going to sound controversial, and some fish keepers are are going to jump the gun and say that I'm an idiot, but I've done that many times before, and I've had uh, great success, never had any health issues or anything with my fish because the room temperature is great, and usually 68, 72 is at room temperature in a house. So if your house is that degrees, your tank is going to be that degrees as well. So the only time I would uh, consider getting a heater is if I knew my, my house gets really cold and the room my tank is, is cold. But heaters are pretty good because they give you the convenience of knowing your water is always going to stay at the right temperature. That's, a, that's really, really good information, man. I appreciate that. I, you know, and I'll totally back you up on that. I agree on that 100%. I mean, I have to have heaters because African cichlids need to be about 78 degrees or so in the in the temperature. They come from Africa. So even though they're tank raised, they still need that, that body temp because that's how they were, that's how their genetics is to begin with. Um, my next question for you is filtration. I know you, you maybe have touched that on, on that earlier, but... Um, I, what is your big thought on, like, hang on the back filters against canister filters? Well, first off, I'll say that I actually do love the hang on the back filters. The reason I love them is because they're very easy to clean. And I think that hang on the back filters are the best filter for a beginner. Why? Why would I say they're the best filters for a beginner? Well, I would say they're the best because their filter cartridges are usually the cheapest. You can go to the store and buy a Marine Land filter cartridge for about $2, an Aquilon one, maybe $4. So it depends on the brand. But usually, I've never, ever seen filter cartridges go over $30 unless you're buying them in bulk. Secondly, most of the hang-on-the-back filters they create nowadays have three of the most important uh, 
bacteria in them. Um, they've got the beneficial bacteria in them, and they're usually very good to start a tank. They usually will start a tank very fast. And what I mean by that is they're going to jumpstart the cycle with the bacteria in that. And I'll explain that to you guys next week when I have all my proof in front of me. Now, I forgot what I was going to say. The three systems, chemical, biological, mechanical, I think it was. Oh, that's what I was going to say, yeah. A hand and back filter has your three basic systems in it. It has your chemical filtration, your mechanical filtration, and your biological filtration. Um, and the, fil the filter that I usually recommend for a beginner, the one that I'm talking about, is an AquaClear 110, AquaClear 70, and an AquaClear 30. Those are old filters, but they combine all three of those systems that I just told you about, and uh, they're really good. Now, all you, all you really need to do is clean your cartridges like once every two months and replace them uh, as soon as they get dirty and you should be good to go. Cancer filters on the other hand are great for larger systems like a 75, 120, 125, 180 because they're going to handle the water volume and they'll make sure your water stays pristine. They're great for monster fish. Um, I know when I was keeping monster fish People told me, Alex, you need to get a, you need to get a canister filter. But I still loved hanging on back filters even when I had monsters. Um, I think they're a great filter. And on our next episode, we're going to talk in depth about filters, and hopefully, I won't find like an idiot then. <laughs> no, you, I mean everything you're saying is uh, pretty pretty positive and correct, honestly, um, from what I understand. Uh, you know, you were just saying about. I know you're going to get into filters next week um, on this episode, but I, I'd really like to say after you were talking about cleaning your filter pad is when you do that, I would clean it in your tank water, not say in your tank, but you take water out of your tank and clean it in your tank water because if you don't, you're going to kill all that bacteria that's actually in that filter pad. And wherever you put it back in there, your tank is going to cycle all over again. So whenever you do do that, make sure you clean it with your tank water. And then whenever you pull that filter pad out because the water's not flowing through it too well, put a new one in, squeeze your old filter, kind of squeeze the bacteria out of it and put it, you know, behind the filter and the uh, hang on the back so it actually collects and keeps growing. Because if you don't, your tank's going to keep cycling. Very, very well said. And you definitely do not want to start a new cycle in your aquarium because it's going to raise your ammonia and your nitrites. Nice rights, I mean, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> but, Alex, I mean, honestly, that's probably pretty much what I what I have to comment on this episode. Until until next week, whenever you show up again, I'm going to have to come and check out your show again. Awesome. You want to you want co-host next week's show with me? Be my co-host? Yeah, I will definitely uh, come into the second half. Awesome. That sounds... Uh... That sounds great. So that's going to do it for our, our show tonight. What a great show we had. Now that you know the history of the fish keeping hobby, now that you know why research is important, will you still join the fish keeping hobby? So join me next Thursday for part two of the beginner series. Next Thursday, October 22nd, 2015 at 9 p.m. Eastern in our second episode for beginners, I will discuss buying your first aquarium, 
cycling your aquarium, the filtration systems, and everything you need for the aquarium. Plus, these will be our main points of discussion next Thursday. Setting up and cycling your first aquarium, when to change your filters media and filtration systems, water parameters, and the importance of water changes. That's all going to be discussed next Tuesday. And on our third episode, we'll be focusing on purchasing and acclimating your first fish. And I'll talk about fish for beginners. And then following that, we will discuss fish for beginners. And I'll have many multiple guest interviews right here on Aquarium Talk, the podcast. Donovan, I really appreciate you calling in tonight. This made the show more entertaining for me. Oh, it was great being on here, Alex. I love I love chatting with you. Awesome. I love your calls, and I'm sure that our our listeners appreciated your call as well. I hope so. I'm trying to give as much info as I got here, and I, you know, you know, fish. Talking about fish is one thing that I just can't stop doing. I think my wife gets a little irritated sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. My friends like that too. I'll start talking about fish to them. And they're reptile people, so they they try to bounce back with me at reptile stuff, and then I bounce back with them with fish stuff. Yeah, they, they can keep the reptiles, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like I like the turtles, but I'm not sure if I would ever keep a reptile. Yeah, no, I I definitely wouldn't. And you know, turtles, I've had turtles in the past, and they are the dirtiest things to keep and stinkiest things to keep. Yeah, I know. I've heard they had salmonella, so I'll stay as far away from them as I can. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> All right. Hope you have a good night. Thank you so much for being a part of this great show. You too, Alex. I'll talk to you next week. All right. We'll see you next Thursday. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Okay. So before I end today's show, I'd like to give some uh, good plugs for... Some awesome Facebook groups that I'm a part of. The first one is called Fish Geeks. And Fish Geeks is an awesome Facebook group that is dedicated to helping beginners out there. So if you are really serious about joining the aquarium hobby, please check out Fish Geeks. Now, I have a good friend, Mr. Will Lane, who owns a Facebook fish group, and I'm proud to announce that he actually has sponsors in his group. He's taken his group to a whole nother level, and he's got some great sponsors like that pet place, that fish place. He's got some awesome sponsors, and I'm really proud for him. Great guy, great admin. He's got some great administrators, great people in there who know their stuff about the fish keeping hobby. So please check out Freshwater Fish Freaks on Facebook. Now, if you enjoyed today's Aquarium Talk, I'm happy you liked today's show. Please check out and like Aquarium Talk, the podcast on Facebook, where you'll get notifications of our upcoming shows. So please like Aquarium Aquarium Talk, the podcast on Facebook. All right, guys. Our next episode for Aquarium Talk is going to be this Saturday, at 9 p.m. Eastern, and this Saturday, I have the debut of another saltwater series, this time hosted by Mr. Seth Vidrine, and Seth is going to educate beginners 
on how to enter the saltwater world, and we're going to talk about the importance of live rock in an aquarium, the importance of doing water changes, the importance of the nitrogen cycle in a saltwater aquarium, and much more. I advise you to listen to that show on Saturday, October uh, I want October 17th, 2015, at 9 p.m. Eastern. And then, of course, like I said, next Thursday, we're going to have Donovan co-hosting again with me, and we're going to talk about cycling in an aquarium and much more. All right, fish keepers and soon-to-be fish keepers, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Aquarium Talk, the podcast here on American Variety Network. I know several months ago, I said that I was never, ever going to do a fish-keeping show again because I was receiving some negative comments from some negative people. But, you know, if you love fish-keeping, and this is what you've been doing for 16 years, it is kind of hard just to quit cold turkey at time. And if I quit, I would have given in to the negative people, and I just don't do that. I don't lose. So, here I am doing these fun fish shows. And I hope you guys enjoy them. I've gotten several great compliments from people like Donovan and all of my other great listeners. So I'm just going to continue doing me and pushing through these fish shows and putting them out there. And whoever don't like fish show, who cares? I don't. You like the fish show? Oh, well, don't listen to it then. All right, guys. Thank you so much for being a part of uh, my show. I really appreciate your listeners and your listens. So that's going to do it for us tonight. Have a great rest of your night, and we'll see you next time on Aquarium Talk right here on American Variety Network. Fish Keepers, I hope this show was a great help to you. Make sure you like our fan page on Facebook, Aquarium Talk Podcast. Get updates on Aquarium Talk. Enjoy the fish fishing hobby, respect the fish fishing hobby, and all the more fish. The fish are going to love you. Good night, everyone. Oh, folks.